0: Happy Halloween! As big fans of the spooky season, it seemed only right that we celebrate with two of our other favorite things the Babysitters Club and Cokie Mason. So today we are resharing our episode, book number 17, Marianne's Bad Luck Mystery, one of the first appearances of Halloween in the Babysitters Club series and an all time classic. We'll be back in two weeks with our season finale for 2023, mystery number two, Beware Dawn. And we'll have more information about what's to come then. But for now, it's time to check in on Marianne's bad luck mystery. Hi, I'm Lauren Hunter. And I'm Kate Vlasic. And this is Generation BSC.
1: Yes, our episodic revisiting of each of the books in the Babysitter series, Babysitter's Club series. <laughs> Talking to <you> too quickly, <laughs> as always. Uh, Babysitter's Club series, starting from the beginning, book number one, and continuing through just discussing our, you know, interpretations now compared to what we remember reading them as kids. Sometimes coming up with completely new things that we never would have thought of and just, you know having that conversation with each other and with everyone out there listening so i guess with that we can touch on our first topic which is not this book in the babysitters club series but oh, the television show that is coming to netflix as we know now on july 3rd of 2020 we have a teaser trailer we have a confirmation of mark evan jackson as richard speer marianne's dad which i flipped out about
0: uh, as well, you should have because that was called so brilliantly in advance by you. Well played, well played, my friend. Well played.
1: I, uh, like I, I was pretty sure obviously when I first brought it up, but seeing that tweet from him, like, mm-hmm. oh, say hello to your friend Richard Spire or Richard Spear. It's me. I was just like, holy ah. shit! Like I freaked out. I was so happy. I'm so excited, and I cannot not see. Marianne's dad as Mark Evan Jackson now, which is comes up in this book since it's Marianne's bad luck mystery. But back to the show, like,
0: oh my God, <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I know. It was so perfect. Um, so I'm still, I do we know the time period? Because I just sort of assumed it was going to be modern, but it that is was 100 Okay, so they're just using a throwback phone, I guess?
1: Yeah, that's what I'm very interested to see an actual trailer because it is updated, but they're still using an old phone, which I also had. I, I even asked my mom this weekend if she could try to find it in her house so I can add it to my babysitter's club shrine in the basement whenever you're able to come back and record with me. But yes, it's supposed to be updated, but I don't understand why they're using a landline. And also, sort of randomly, Christy answers the phone at the end of the teaser and says... You know, hello, Babysitters Club. Good afternoon, or Good afternoon, Babysitters Club. And I was like, Are the meetings not at five thirty? That's not the afternoon. <laughs> but maybe that's just me.
0: Yeah, I didn't get that nitpicky on the afternoon thing because um, I just uh, sort of—I um, don't know—it's still light outside. That makes me think of the afternoon when I was a kid. But I—the I, it was really the the phone thing that threw me. But I have to tell you, I am so jealous because I wanted that phone so badly that was the phone to have and i, mm-hmm. I never did i was so uh i am so excited that it's going to be in our little area um hopefully i can like... find it <laughs> if not i have i i have faith in our ebay ability especially as For um, sure. quarantine drags on um i have yeah. shopped my feelings a couple of times now
1: as have i <laughs> repeatedly but, but yeah so but we're we're, all... we're super excited I don't know. Is, did you any? It sounded like maybe you're about to ramp up to something. Anything else to oh, say? I,
0: I was just going to say my overall impression was like it, it, pure excitement. The mm-hmm. bright colors, the music—it just it it captured exactly what I wanted it to. Um, and if I wasn't already like off the charts excited before, which I was, um, now it's it's just next level. I cannot wait. Um, yes, especially knowing the date. Exactly, and it's the same weekend that Hamilton is coming to Disney Plus. So yes. we're gonna lots have lots of things to watch. <laughs> amazing, good things that weekend, um, Fourth of July weekend. So I'm very excited. Cannot wait. Yes. Uh, but yeah, we were so excited about the the teaser trailer that we had to interrupt our normal meeting flow to talk about it. Um, which, as you'll come to find out, happens quite a bit in this. Uh, particular book. The girls work themselves up quite a bit, um, and there is very little babysitting uh, in this book at all. So, do you want to dive in?
1: Yeah. So, like I said, this is Marianne's Bad Luck Mystery. Maybe I didn't say that. It's Marianne's Bad Luck Mystery, book book 17 <laughs> in the normal series. I know I referenced it was Marianne. It's been a day, it's been a week, it's only two, or it's Wednesday. I just, it's been a year. Let's my brain real. is just. My brain is where everyone's brain is. So if I already said it, I said it again. If I didn't, now you know. (laughs) So, yes, book 17. um, How about you give us a little bit of the back of the book?
0: You got it. So Marianne Bad Luck Mystery was released October 1988, written by Anne M. Martin. Marianne should never have thrown away that chain letter she got in the mail. Ever since she did, bad things have been happening to everybody in the babysitter's club. With Halloween coming up, Marianne's even more worried. What kind of spooky thing will happen next? Then, Marianne finds a new note in her mailbox. Wear this bad luck charm, it says, or else. Marianne's got to do what the note says. But who sent the charm? And why did this person send it to Marianne? If the babysitters don't solve this mystery soon, their bad luck may never stop.
1: Lots of exclamation points in there.
0: (laughs) Lots of exclamation points, lots of drama, and 100% in line with how the babysitters treat the action of this book. For sure. Um,
1: We've got another drama-filled story on our hands when it comes to the Babysitter's Club reacting to what's going
0: on around them. It's very fake-generated drama, like drama that they work up themselves. It's not organic drama at all, which we will get into as we get into the details. But um, before we do that, why don't you tell us what they're getting all so worked up about?
1: Okay. Well, first of all, I have to just let everybody out there know, this is the book where Koki Mason shows up. Finally, Finally. Finally, finally. And I guess this isn't part of the description, but I'll just note um, it seems like she's not a new person. Like she's been there. We just have never heard about her before. Like Marianne just I sort noted of that casually too. references, like, "Oh, Cokie Mason and her friend Grace and her other friend, whatever." Like they're sitting over at their table. So like we'll get into Cokie Mason. But I just had to. I guys, she's here. Spoiler alert: she's already a sociopath.
0: Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> and the it's it's the best part about it is it's because. Um, it's not her f- deal at all. She's a sociopath for, on for, behalf
1: of Grace.
0: Yeah, exactly. For zero of her own emotional stakes. It's amazing. It, so, uh, anyway, so
1: yeah. Okay, Koki Mason, guys, we will touch on her in a minute. First of all, though, our description of the book, Marianne specific. So Marianne receives a chain letter that says that anyone who breaks the chain will receive bad luck, as will their friends, family, and loved ones. She decides she doesn't believe in that and throws the letter away, but has a pretty bad day the following day, falling out of bed, scaring Tigger, spilling orange juice all over her white dress, losing her shoes, dropping her lunch in the cafeteria, etc., and decides that the chain letter is definitely to blame. She then receives a quote-unquote bad luck charm necklace in a package left in her mailbox and the note accompanying the necklace says to wear it or else, so she does just that. She continues to have bad luck and receives another note telling the Babysitter's Club to go to Old Hickory's grave at midnight on Halloween. But she finally figures out the Koki and her friends are behind the bad luck charm and the messages and gets the Babysitter's Club involved. Babysitter's Club plot generally... The girls have bad luck themselves, including Stacy in New York, and with their babysitting charges, and attribute it all to Marianne's broken chain letter. They all work together to try to figure out a way to counteract the bad luck charm, including a group trip to the library to research witchcraft and spells, but don't find anything they can actually implement. There's a Halloween hop dance, which is where the girls are before Marianne receives the note about Old Hickory. The girls agree to do as the note demands, but thanks to Marianne's logical thinking, they figure out that Cokie and her friends were behind everything and make a plan to turn the tables on them instead. They succeed in scaring Cokie's gang in front of Logan, resulting in Cokie's friend Grace admitting they wanted to scare the babysitters club in front of Logan, so he'd stop liking Marianne and would pay attention to them instead. The book wraps up with the sleepover, and and we have certainly not heard the last of Cokie, Grace, and the rest of them. The end.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. um, I have so many questions with this one. What? How? Why? Really why? So many whys. Um, this is the first time I've really been annoyed by the girls where I was like, oh, I'm very clearly outside of the demographic intended for this book.
1: Yeah. It's like we were a step ahead of the girls the whole time. Whereas like with the phantom callers, we were like, it's probably one of those boys, but here it was like, and maybe this is just because I know and love Koki Mason so much, but like, it was clear, like, obviously it's Koki and her friends. And clearly this bad luck charm is not actually a thing you have to wear. Like, and
0: and like, why would you immediately assume if someone sends it to you in the mail or else? Like, why would you do it with zero investigation? Or you already
1: have bad luck. (laughs) (laughs) why would you add like why would you wear a bad luck charm to give yourself more bad luck yeah it it was definitely like it was good to have sort of a reprieve here where it wasn't a message book because it's been a little bit of a message heavy flow in the stories of all the books for the past couple so it was good to have it be a little bit of a break but like the whole book was just like when are we going to get to the fireworks factory and they can, like, turn the tables on Koki and her friends. Like, it it was fun. It was, you know, easy and light. But it was a little bit, like, I expect more from you girls. But then it's also, like, yeah, they're 13, so fine. They get caught up in the drama.
0: Yeah, I um I, I get it. I, I'm i trying to cut them some slack and put myself back in that place. Because I do absolutely remember being that age. And, um, like wanting to buy in so we've talked about that before a mm-hmm. number of times specifically though with the younger kids like we talked about that a lot with them with um karen and and how um it, it wasn't so much that the older girls that christy and marianne and, and the babysitters club want to buy into morbid of destiny but the force of karen's belief you can't help but go but really, am I wrong? And that's, that's totally normal. Even as an adult, like when somebody believes in something so ardently, you can't help but be like, okay, is
1: there something I'm missing here? Right. Um, Maybe there is more to this. Although they do, I mean, and they even call back to it themselves with the phantom phone calls. Like they really ramped themselves up mm -hmm, without anyone else's input there. Like this, this felt very much like not a retread, but like, a comparable storyline with that where it was like they each like they each all started at a very like oh i don't know like i'm not superstitious obviously that's specific to this one but it's like oh it's not really anything the phantom caller is you know miles and miles away oh i don't believe in chain letter bad luck like go ahead and throw it away because all of the girls sort of weigh in when marianne gets the letter and she's like i mean i'm just gonna throw it away i don't think anything bad's gonna happen and most of the girls are like Yeah, I don't really believe in it, but, like, maybe I do. So it sort of is – it feels like they start at a, like, eh, I don't know. And then as things keep happening, they start attributing it and, like, reading into things and working themselves and each other up to where it gets to, like,
0: insanity. So there's a couple of things going on there. Um, The first is it is pure confirmation bias. Like, it is exactly Mm -hmm. the example that I use in class why do you only ever get your belt loop caught in the door when you're having a bad day? Um, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's that's so true. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, you don't only get your loop caught in the door in a bad day. It only bothers you on a bad day. You only right. notice. You only take note and, of it. Exactly. On an already bad day. Because it's confirmation of the narrative that's in your head, I'm having a bad day. So when... Um, when Marianne decided from the beginning, oh, this told me I'm going to have bad luck, so I'm going to have a bad day, she's finding instances of bad luck everywhere, which is totally normal for a kid. Like, And, and that's mm-hmm. – I mean, well, norm, it's normal for adults. That's just human behavior. We, right. I don't care how smart we are. We all do that. We look for things that match our own narratives. But then what happens is she gets – um, everybody else caught up on it too. And then they started their own confirmation bias and it starts this pylon that gets so ridiculous so fast that that's, I think what, what's, what really kind of bugged me. Cause like I was, like I said, I was really on board. I was like, okay, yeah, confirmation bias. I'm getting this. And then it went from zero to, like you said, overly ridiculous at light speed with zero thought of any kind of logic or even just, um, like, even with the Dawn, um, Little Miss Stony Brook and Dawn, they at least had uh, a couple of characters have slightly different perspectives on it, mm-hmm. weigh in with different levels of it. You know, you, we had Mallory and Jesse anti. We had um, Claudia kind of like, mm, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, you know, you had, had some differing perspectives. But here, everybody just went so far so fast. It, it To me, it wasn't even as interesting because it was just oh, okay, we're, we're just going along with this. For right. the sake of Going along with this. I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Cause like you were just pointing out with little miss, Sony Brooke and Don, like Jesse and Mallory in particular, there are like, we're against this, we're against this. They stay that way. And like the other girls sort of ebb and flow. And here, Jesse and Mallory are actually the ones that are initially like, oh my God, Marion, you cannot, you have to send that letter. You can't, or all 20 copies of the letter you can't just throw it away because then what like we're gonna have bad luck because we're your friends and like and so they sort of like start at that point and the rest of the girls have a little bit of variation and then they all get to where jesse and mar and mallory are and there's no there's no different levels there's no you know questioning of anything it's just sort of like yes we all have to go to the library and we all have to research witchcraft and we have to do it together because we all have to break this spell that's on marianne together and like I like I get it from like an eleven year old thirteen year old perspective, but like I appreciate it more as a reader, and I think that I probably would have felt the same way reading this as a kid. Like, I want someone to be the voice of reason, whether it's I, one yes. of the girls or you know Mimi or something. You know, like somebody needs to like set them straight. And even here, like um, Mr. Spear sort of does at the end. He's like mustard seed is actually a symbol of faith like that's not a bad luck charm like what are you talking about like kind of getting getting her like calmed down but by that point they're pretty much already there or they would be there as soon as she realizes that it's koki it's sort of like the end you know like i wish that there had been someone throughout the book maybe even logan although then it would have been like mansplaining superstitions, and i that would have annoyed me in a different way. But, like, somebody needed to be the voice of reason. I think that's why this book was a little bit less – or it was more disappointing or less exciting and enjoyable than it could have been.
0: Yeah. Um I think that's a great point. I hadn't thought about it that way and until we started, like, digging into the hows and where's and mm-hmm. what for's. Um, but I think in, in a lot of ways, adventure is like comedy where it requires a straight man or a cynic to balance some of the more fantastical aspects of it. Like, right. um, I, I just go back to one of my very favorite examples of that dynamic is the mummy. You know, you've got, mm-hmm. um, Rachel Weisz who so ardently believes in everything and is, is 100% on board and a believer from the beginning. Whereas Brendan Fraser's the, the skeptic and who like, he's along for the ride, but he knows that this is all bat shit. and that balance, um, helps be the voice of the audience in a way mm-hmm. th- that I think maybe the difference here is the intended audience. I, I think, Anne and again, we're speaking to intention that we can't really know, or unless Anne ever decides to come and talk to us, we would love to have her. Um, but uh, I, I think part of it might be that the intention was that the audience is 13 year old. So there is no need for a, quote-unquote, voice of the audience to play right. the skeptic because the assumption is we're all going to be in that headspace and go along for the ride, especially right. as as we've noted. Um, at least in our case, we were reading these younger than even the ages of the characters. Um, I, I think maybe uh, part of it, too, is I was genuinely a little disappointed in them, and I'm like, girls, be better than this. Like, I, we have seen you be smarter than this. We have seen you be savvier than this. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, ha- I had higher standards for you, which also yeah. made me feel a million years old.
1: <laughs> I mean, it, it does sort of, and I think this has come up just generally with characterization throughout this series so far, but like this sort of feels like a step back or a regression mm-hmm. from, from who we've seen these girls grow to be to date and for them to sort of just fall for this and immediately jump to the the craziest most out there conclusion is a little bit like like you said like you're smarter than this come on (laughs) and also i'm just gonna like i feel like when we get to christy's mystery admirer like you're not gonna be able to even do a prediction because i'm i've referenced it so many times (laughs) and i'm about to like drop some big knowledge on it right now so we'll have to see what we do when we get there because i think i'm tainting your memories by
0: talking about it so much yeah we just will have to skip the prediction for that one because yeah. honestly, I remembered nothing. But now, um, I think we have said the words Christie's Mystery Admirer on this um, podcast more than probably anything other than the title. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is probably a very true statement. I don't know what I'm going to do once we get past that in the future. I'm going to, like, I don't, I'll just have to, like, reference You'll be back out to it. see. But, like, so Christie's Mystery Admirer is book 38 in the series. Um, it, also includes the Halloween hop, which is the dance in this book. Mm-hmm. During that series, or during that book, Christy is she initially gets uh, like secret admirer letters from um Bart something. I can't <gasps> remember his name now. Oh, Bart that God. lives in her Sampson? neighborhood.
0: No, it's not Samson. No, I'm thinking of Bart Simpson. Yeah, it's,
1: um, it, 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 I want to say like Hogan, but that's um Mar- Mallory's future boyfriend's yeah. last name Ben Hogan. Um
0: whatever. So Bart but oh my god, I forgot about Bart. Yes. So Bart it's Bart's, has a It's Bart's, the other softball team. Yeah, it's the other softball Bart's team. Bats. And that's
1: that's yeah, I think it's Bashers. So that's what is happening in that book. They are gearing up to have a big softball game and so she they're like, you know, Talking smack, whatever, but he also has a crush on her, so he starts leaving her secret messages in her mailbox the At first, they're very like friendly and sweet, and like have cute little stickers and then they turn into shockingly ransom note looking letters that Koki is leaving because she wants to, <laughs> to mess with the babysitters club and I don't know if it's happening at the same time as this, but even it's they're in eighth grade it's the same time oh, that's point. <laughs> Like, this is huge timeline walkiness because Cokie Mason is doing the exact same thing to Marianne and Christy at the exact same time if we're to believe that this is the same Halloween hop. And there's no reference in this book to Christy getting any of these letters. I don't remember if there are references in Christie's Mystery Admirer to Marianne getting these letters. But regardless, really the fact that... It takes them so long in Christie's mystery admirer to figure out that it's Cokie and not Bart going crazy and trying to first mess with Christie to lose the softball game. And then she thinks that he might actually be a murderer. Spoiler alert. He's not like <laughs> Spoiler I, <alert>. the 13 year old <laughs> child is not a mass murderer. I just, as I was reading this, I kept being like, this is basically the same plot as Christie's mystery admirer. And I, it's happening at the same time, question mark? I'm so confused. Right? Like, that's the – this is probably my biggest, like, timeline wonkiness that will ever happen and because that's, like, your forte. But, like, it's the – they're in eighth grade. It's the same Halloween hop. There's no – there's not two Halloweens in eighth grade. Like, I – Oh, my God. I'm so, like I, – I, I, I'm speechless. I don't even know what else to say. Like, I don't understand.
0: <laughs> I love – because it's basically – we have um, the Claudia and the Phantom phone calls on Halloween, which is the Halloween hop in seventh grade, which mm-hmm. is the burglar that turns out to be a secret admirer. Yes. Then we have this year's Halloween hop, which is um, just bad luck or else, question mark. Like, But
1: like sort of secret admirer because Grace is trying to get Logan to like her by doing this. So it's like kind of tangentially sort of. secret admirer.
0: Ish, yes, but I. What the point I was going to make is that Christie's mystery admirer sounds like a, a combination of the two. Like yes. take the um, murder, cokie, sociopath aspect of um, of this one and the um, date aspect of phantom phone calls, and just smash them together, and ta da, we have a whole new plot.
1: Yeah, except. So- it can't be the same Halloween hop because in Christy's Mystery Admirer, Christy actually goes to the dance and she and Bart dress up as lobsters. Oh, he's her lobster. It's um, adorable, but like I oh my God, my like my mind is blown. I didn't even realize I was gonna like bring this all up. Like I remember when we were talking about this, I was like, I don't know how much we're really gonna have to talk about in this one. And now I'm like having this meltdown about Christy's mystery <laughs> admirer that I was not expecting to have. <laughs>
0: Um I just love that um I was all geared up to talk about timeline and you just like fully <laughs> blew it all open um because so I wanted to I was going to make the suggestion I'm going to make note of what everybody's costumes they are where to this, um, and who goes to the dance and who doesn't, so that every time that there's a Halloween hop from now on, we can do a comparison. <laughs> so we'll get ready. The, they do not right, wear the same costumes. <laughs> of the eighteen um, Halloween hops that happen on the endless loop of um, eighth grade that the Babysitters Club is on,
1: <laughs> maybe they're just different timelines. Could like,
0: be. We we like, are talking. Did somebody roll a
1: dice? <laughs>
0: Yep. Uh, Could be. Could be. But um, we, I, so now I know to look for Chrissy's Mystery Admirer, you took some of the work out of it for me. But when we get to that one, um, which, presuming there isn't another holiday hop or uh, Halloween hop in between the two, which... That's true. For all we know. For all we know. um,
1: It's only 20 books away. There's plenty that could happen in that timeline.
0: (laughs) We've, we've already... We've already had two Halloween hops in 17 books. So it's absolutely possible that very true. there could be another one in between. So, um, we'll see what happens, but either way, I'm going to start, uh, keeping note of, of those like dance things like that. Who wore what, who went to what. That's um, a good idea. So I'm, I'm going to go back to, uh, sort of expand our timeline, um, concept. Uh, we'll go back to the one from a couple of weeks ago, which the back to school dance, whichever one that was, um. I'll take notes for that one as well. But I'm very excited. I cannot wait to get into that because we are getting into the, like, it almost feels like Sisyphus and, like, a hell dimension, right? Where you just have to repeat the eighth grade over and right. over
1: again. <laughs> right. It never ends. You can never yeah, leave. Yeah,
0: like some kind of Groundhog's Day, you must learn a lesson type of deal. <laughs> um, just
1: living it over and over. Um, speaking of timeline, did you note the actual date of the dance?
0: I did, but I don't remember it off the top of my head. Okay. Um, so it's
1: October 30th, which in 1988 was a Sunday.
0: Okay. Um, which is funny because, um, I I'm glad that you looked it up. I meant to, and, and then didn't, um, cause again, my quarantine brain is mush, um, because I remember thinking, oh, they've gotten that right before. I wonder if they got it right again. Uh, and turns out, no. Not Unless- this time.
1: Unless I did the same thing I did last time when I had the same realization about a date and the day of the week. And, like, I think it was Thanksgiving and I, like, went down yeah. the whole rabbit hole and then realized I was a moron. <laughs> <It's> Thursday. <laughs> I think this this time because the, specifically referenced the 30th and that being the day of the dance – I think I'm safe. It's not like yes, relations of like Monday after Thanksgiving and first day of December or whatever it was. So
0: yes, we, but we got it. Um, in any case, um, it, it is, we are definitely getting into the era where, because it, which makes sense. Cause if all of the first, what, four books, five books were seventh grade. Um, mm-hmm. and then we had a couple heading into the summer. Now we're at Halloween. We're, we're back on like a, a normal schedule. Um right. But I think but we are still like running out of road faster than they planned. We are we are looking at an O C scenario where they have to wonder, like, I wonder I wonder
1: if so we know that Anna Martin wrote the first thirty five. I wonder if the first thirty five essentially are seventh grade, summer, eighth grade and then when the ghostwriters start taking over, they're just sort of writing. And they're like, I want to do be. a Halloween story. I want to do Thanksgiving. I want to do a birthday. So they just sort of like release them from there. Like it doesn't really matter. I'll be I'll be interested to see where we go for the next like whatever it is, 18 books until we get to 35 and then Absolutely. see how it goes from there.
0: So it, you, it, this just occurred to me as we were talking about, you know, like the intention behind the book. And um, we were talking a little bit about the fact that we were – ahead and and we felt that we would be ahead even at that age. Um, I'm wondering now if that may not have been intentional in order to, um, like, we're not feeling smart because we're ahead of these, you know, 13-year-old girls, Mm -hmm. but what if the intention was to make the mystery so simple that an 11-year-old reading it could get ahead of the 13-year-old and have a moment of feeling like, oh... I'm, um, I'm yeah, ahead like, of them. I'm smarter than them,
1: right? Like I noticed when Koki said made reference to Marianne wearing a bad luck charm. I can't believe Marianne didn't pick up on it right then. Like I, I'm smarter than Marianne. Like I figured it out.
0: Yeah, I yeah, think that's probably maybe, a
1: really good theory and probably accurate.
0: One of the really cool things that Anne and Martin does that I, I I've, I've noted um, is that she is really sort of teaching young readers how to read you know, with the different narrative points of view and there's some shifting things there. And, and, and this, she talks about, there's foreshadowing and laying mm-hmm. down clues that they can maybe get ahead of. Um, I think that's really fascinating. I, I wonder how, I, I'd i like to credit that as, as really intentional, but I wonder how much of that was intent and how much of that is just um, what we got out of the books.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I think it probably makes sense that, that this is another sort of step in that. And I I feel like it might just, and not to sort of discount um, Anna Martin's abilities or thought processes, but I feel like that's probably something that a lot of these sort of young, younger level Mm -hmm. or lower level chapter book type books, I I would imagine that that probably goes into a lot of them, at least the ones where they – You know, a series in particular, you know, like Encyclopedia Brown or um, Cam Jansen or like those things where you have the same characters sort of doing the same types of things over and over. So you can – it makes it easier for you to pay attention to other things when you don't have to try to like learn who the characters are or what they're likely to do in certain situations. It gives you the ability to sort of try to predict. And I think Mm – taking into account things like the foreshadowing or, or little like hints and clues, I think that makes it easier to pick up on to help, like you said, sort of learn how to read as you're reading. I think, I think that would be interesting to, to maybe look at some of those other, you know, boxcar children or even the, the, you know, sleepover friends or the, the saddle club or those. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty confident in saying that I think that babysitters club might be a little bit ahead of the curve on that, but that I was might to say... be me being sort of partial to The <laughs> Babysitter's Club. But I think I don't really remember those types of things from reading those other series as a kid. And that might even be part of the reason why those other book series never really resonated as much with me. Like I sort of read a few one-offs here and there, but I was never as obsessed with any of those other series as I was with The Babysitter's Club.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that um, even if – it, she wasn't like the first, or even if that that wasn't revolutionary. If that was a pretty standard feature of early, I, I don't even know what these would be really called because they're not children's books, but they're not really YA either. They're sort of tween. I don't know. Well, if, I'll have to ask librarian friends if there's a a category that that's called. But in any case, it, it, I'm I'm sure you're right. That's probably more of a feature of of those books, um, but she definitely is really very skilled at it. And, Mm -hmm. and you bring up a great point even more. So what, why it didn't resonate with you Um, in general, it wasn't just you. It was everybody. Uh, There's a reason that we are having in the year of our Lord 2020, a brand new version of the babysitters club is um, that it did resonate. And you notice there's not a saddle club and there's not a, Mm -hmm. um, Um, I don't know what other ones but I well technically there is a Nancy Drew but it's not Nancy Drew
1: but also they're not doing the graphic novels of any of those older series exactly when we were growing up like Babysitter's Club has stood the test of time and it's being adapted in other media in other types of written media I think it's a testament to to the books and Anna Martin and Scholastic and everybody that helped behind the scenes for sure
0: I mean, just the sheer fact that we can sit here and have, I like to think, somewhat literate and intelligent conversations about these books that were written aimed at small children (laughs) and written in the (laughs) 80s. Right, Um, right. Long enough to have, you know, hour, hour and a half long conversations. Um, Each episode is – really shows that there's – even in an episode like this that is – or not episode, even in a book like this that is relatively slight – there's still a lot of things that are happening there, um, mm-hmm. and and uh, which leads me to a pretty good transition because I think one of the things that it does is starts the groundwork for having a reoccurring villain in our girl, Cokie. So let's um, break down the Cokie of it all. How <laughs> did she stand up for you? Is she as loathsome as you remember? Was she kind of mild compared to what you were thinking? Where, where do you fall on Cokie?
1: Um, I feel like in this book, she's sort of, and maybe it's just because I've built her up so much from Christie's mystery admirer, but like, she definitely seems more toned down in this book. You know, she sort of has a few snide comments here and there, but I feel like I remember her being more of an antagonist and not just sort of a behind the scenes, you know, doing something sneaky to try and trick the babysitter's club or, you know, get them somewhere so they can prank them. I've, I recall her having more sort of like catty asides during school. Like, And again, I might just be have misremembering no. generally, but I, I feel like she was much more tame in this one. And I think maybe that's just a product of it being the first time that, that the character has been included in one of these books. And so maybe they're not sure, they, Anna Martin is not sure exactly what she wants to do with her. So I, I do think that, it's helpful to have the antagonist in any way, but I feel like Koki becomes a bigger presence in that antagonism than she is
0: here. Agreed. Uh, in my memory, she's far more of a mean girl, um, like mm-hmm. a, a more prototypical, like um, actual mean girl. I, I, I know it's the movie and not the book or the television, but the Marla Sokolov version is what I just always picture Cokie mm-hmm. as. That pretty bratty stampy I I wanna you know a very violet Beauregard type of girl and honestly um hot take alert Koki was just kind of being a good friend like she didn't necessarily have any beef against the babysitter's club she's um obviously a brat and enjoys messing with other people I'm not saying she's a good person but like She wasn't doing it for no reason. She wasn't just trying to be a jackass. Like, her friend had a crush, and she was trying to, you know, be a bro. Um, (laughs) Went about it a completely wrong way. But that is far more um, legitimate of a reason than I remember her having for messing with the babysitters club. Like, Like, I vaguely remembered Logan being a part of it, but even... Um, I did not remember the fact that it was Grace that had the crush on Logan and not Cokie. But even when I was thinking it was Cokie who had a crush, I remember thinking, um, even as a kid, that the Logan part was incidental. That Cokie was really Mm -hmm. – that Logan was cute and all, but the reason she wanted Logan is because Marianne wanted Logan. And it was far more um, specifically antagonistic towards the girls. Where this felt like it would have been – she enjoyed the messing with it aspect, but it wasn't about Marianne. It could have been anybody who Mm -hmm. um, was dating Logan because that's the whole point was, you know, helping her friend out. So um, I do think,
1: I mean, I, I, I think that that is an interesting point for sure, but I also sort of want to sort of maybe not contradict that, but a point adjacent to that. There are a few references in this book to the babysitters club, they've they've definitely sort of become isolationists in their own friendship yes, whereas before they used to have the separate tables of the shillabers and um dorian and and Pete and everybody, and, you know, Dawn would float between the groups. Now they specifically, you know, Marion specifically says they all sit together, and those other friend groups are sort of, can do their own thing. Logan sits with them, like, half the time at lunch, and then when they're at the dance, I have to find the actual, like, thing. But Claudia basically, yeah, so Cokie and Grace um, are upset that, you know, they're... And that's the thing, is Cokie and Grace, in this book, they don't ever really do or say anything directly to the babysitter's club it's more like marianne will look over and Cokie and grace are like staring at their lunch table or like koki cuts in to dance with logan and like is a little bit obnoxious but like they so <laughs> claudia says to marianne at the dance oh they just think they're better than everyone else marianne says really i replied yes. that's funny i always thought that they thought we thought we were better than everyone else claudia grinned well we are like the Babysitter's Club comes across kind of conceited and asshole themselves in this as opposed to it being Cokie and Grace being jerks.
0: So there have been a couple of hints of that a a couple of times in in earlier books. I'm thinking um, off the top of my head specifically with the Claudia and Shannon quote unquote prank war where we were like, or not Claudia, Christy and Shannon Mm -hmm. prank war where we were like, "Mm, Shannon didn't really deserve any of that, Christy. Like, you're being the mean girl here. In this book, that's what I kept thinking. I was like, basically, you just admitted to forming your own clique and thinking that you're better than everybody else in the school. Right. uh, and I, making
1: your boyfriend, like, not hang out with his friend, Like, obviously yeah. hang out. But, like, Marianne also is, like, very clingy on Logan yeah. at the dance. Like, she says, like – I have to find this because, it, again, it's just, like, really – at least I didn't have to walk into that big room full of people by myself. I hung on to Logan's arm as if it were a life preserver. The dance were a sinking ship, and I didn't know how to swing swim. Like, come on. You're 13. Like – the the way that they are acting in this book again, it it makes me sort of disappointed in our
0: girls. Right. <laughs> like... Especially because Marianne has had that dance fear moment with Logan already, like we're past that, that this should be a somewhat triumphant moment. You know, you you can call back to that. Hey, I remember the last dance. I was so, you know, I made a fool of myself, but this time going in secure that Logan is, you know, she mentions over and over again, a couple of times about how loyal Logan is and faithful Logan is. And I'm like, are you describing a person or a dog? Um, Right.
1: Yeah, and, Logan doesn't really get to have a personality uh, or, or his own feelings about anything unless he likes Marianne.
0: It, until the very end when he does pull another super, like, mansplaining, condescending moment. <laughs> um, so Grace says, there are other girls in Stony Brook Middle School, don't you know? And this is what he says. Of course I know, replied Logan. I'm not blind. And when I see anyone I like as much as Marianne and her friends, maybe I'll do something. But right now, Marianne is, is my... And I think Logan was, and then she goes to say, I think he was going to say girlfriend. But he's like, if I see somebody I like better, I'll do something about it. Yeah. It's
1: like, also, Whoa, he, dude. he ends that with, plus, I like babysitting. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, huge eye roll at Logan. I, I 100% support
0: your feelings on that. It's like, geez, come on. That was so, I groaned so loud. I was like, Logan, it, you don't tell your girlfriend, yeah. She's my girlfriend for now until I see She's someone I like enough. better. Until I the, until I decide to do something. And I'm like, "Oh my god. <laughs> do something." It was just right, the way also, he phrased like do you're something.
1: 13.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do something. <laughs> He's like, "I'm aware, but for the moment I like her." I her have eyes. <laughs>
1: She's the prettiest girl for now.
0: It was That's insulting to Marianne. How much does that suck for Grace to be told, yeah, I'm aware you exist. I just don't like you. (laughs) Uh, You're definitely not better than
1: Marianne, so I'm not going to break up with Marianne for you.
0: The end. I'm only with Marianne until I'm moved to do something, so that's insulting to Marianne. I'm not moved to do anything by you, so insulting to Grace. (laughs) So we're just like whamming it down the line. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh so, Logan. Basically, um Logan Bruno sucks. I did not know this, but um... Yeah,
1: he's he's not great. Again, I feel like a lot of our feelings about the Babysitters Club have been colored by the movie
0: mm-hmm. because Logan
1: in that is like great, so like,
0: sweet. Love yes.
1: him so much. Love Alan Gray in that. Love all the Same. girls. Even love Cokie. Like, and so now going back and like revisiting the books and trying to put those versions out of my mind, it's a little bit jarring, particularly when it comes to
0: Logan. Well, I think um, because I was so in love with all of the different forms of Babysitter's Club back in the day, the book, the TV show, and the movie, I think I underestimated how much the movie had imprinted. Um, mm-hmm. I think largely because of ease of access. Um, yep. I have watched the movie more recently. I have watched the movie more often in later years uh, because there was no like easy place to go watch the TV show. And, you know, you, there was... Back before there was a million streaming choices, it was like illegal downloads or fuzzy tapes that people would, you know, mail each other over the internet. Yeah, Um, and as we
1: know, I didn't have any of my babysitter's club books, so I didn't do that either.
0: (laughs) And I I didn't have any of those either. So I I think that the movie sort of superseded a lot of this, and Mm -hmm. um, it's been really interesting to dig back through and see where what's actually there versus. Um, what I remember by what my impressions were as a kid, and where the movie sort of morphed into that into that um, mandala effect, right? Like the Berenstain Bears versus the Berenstain Bears. Yep. But yeah, uh, so basically, we just decided that Koki is not a sociopath, and Logan Bruno sucks. Never would have predicted that going into this episode.
1: I mean, I'm I'm going to hold firm on Cokie Mason being a sociopath, though. The- yes. Okay, you know what? I'll just say it now because we – we, I've pretty much spoiled all of it. Um, in at least one of the notes that she sends to Christy and Christy Mystery Admirer, she puts fingernail clippings in with it. Okay? that That's okay. the big sociopath feeling for me.
0: Yep. You know what? It's fair. And, that like, I know she was legitimate. trying
1: to be creepy, but it's like – but that's you'd... maybe a bridge too far.
0: Yeah. There's trying and then there's – you, like – there's the line and then you just jumped right on past it. Um Right. <laughs> but and um, we have already hypothesized. To be fair to our, to Koki, we've already hypothesized that the girls ha- are um going to become more and more of caricatures of their um, mm-hmm. traits. And so I can't help but wonder how much if we're getting a relatively well well rounded uh, Koki right now, somebody who's still a mean girl but um and and likes to mess with people but not a full on sociopath. To right. by the time we get to Christie's misty admirer, she has hardened into full on.
1: Right, that's her her trait is yeah. mean girl, crazy sociopath, going way too evil. far. Yeah, like crossing lines. Whereas here it's like, okay, we're gonna trick you guys to come to Old Hickory's grave so we can scare you in front of Logan so Logan will think less of you. But to that point, like our girls do the exact same thing back to them. You know, they figure it out. So they go first to trick, to scare Cokie and Grace and the rest of them. And not necessarily in front of Logan because they didn't know that he was part of it. But like they had a feeling they were going to be tricked into being scared. So the Babysitter's Club outsmarted them and got there first to trick them into being scared. And Logan was just sort of an added bonus because that was part of the original trick by Cokie and her friends. So yeah, in this one, we we can't really say that Cokie's, that bad (laughs) because our girls are pretty much that bad too
0: (laughs) right yeah like they um i I did that's interesting that you say that i I hadn't really thought too much about it but you're right typically in situations like this where our heroes get the good guys or the bad guys back for the plan the hero's plan is never quite as bad as Mm -hmm. what um so we're we're rereading Harry Potter as we talked about in the last episode. I'm thinking like um Draco and his friends pretended to be dementors, but Harry just threw you know, threw um snow at them under the invisibility cloak. Like Right. They both messed with each other, but the level of what they're doing Draco's racist asshole where Harry's like, you know, argumentative with him very different Mm -hmm. levels of retaliation whereas the babysitter's club koki came in hot and the babysitter's club came in just as hot (laughs) exactly they didn't (laughs) de-escalate oh we know what you're gonna
1: do yeah like we see what you're gonna do and we're gonna do the exact same thing i mean Um, i guess at least they didn't like raise it they just countered (laughs) but yeah it's it's a little bit like oh boy we can't really judge koki too harshly when our girls do
0: the exact same thing um So we're about 45 minutes into this episode and have not even touched on the wildest part about the entire book. What the hell was Charlie doing? What kind of 17-year-old gives up his Halloween night to go drive a bunch of 13-year-olds, sit in with asking no questions, totally content to just sit in a graveyard, let them get out and do something, have (laughs) no follow-up, and then just take them all home?
1: Okay, two two counterpoints questions. First of all, what the hell is a late night sleepover that any of these girls' parents would agree yes! to get picked up at ten thirty to go to a sleepover? Especially point, Mr. Spear.
0: Especially yes. Mr. Spear, I call such bullshit.
1: Also, Mallory and Jesse, they're eleven years old. Yeah. Second counterpoint, what the hell kind of car does Charlie drive that he can fit eight people safely and comfortably? My recollection is that it's some sort of convertible, which is even more, and I don't even that well, I might be I was thinking, thinking it was of California a station girls. Wagon. I mean even then there's not enough seatbelts. I understand it was the eighties, but yeah i i just I can't understand Christie's parents, yes. like, let alone any of the other girls being allowed to go to a late night sleepover leaving in their houses at ten thirty. Edie and Watson say yes. Christy, you can have a quote unquote late night sleepover. We're going to send your 17 year old brother with you to each of your friends' houses to pick them up. Also, Charlie, don't worry about safety or bringing them home immediately. Like, go yeah, hang out at the two hours the graveyard. Right. Like, they get picked up at 10 30. They get to, I guess, they get there at like 11 30 or 11 is when Koki and the rest of them show up because they were supposed to show up at midnight. Like, but also, if they were just going to go at midnight, which was the original plan before Marianne figured out that it was Cokie behind it and they wanted to get the drop on them. They were just going to like go at midnight. So it's like, what were you going to do for an hour and a half? And then even not knowing what's going to happen at midnight, like you're going to get back to Christie's house at 1230. Like you said, two hours, like just Charlie, like hanging out with some 13
0: and 11 year olds. I'm just trying to imagine what Charlie's friends are saying. like, Right, like Charlie's (laughs) bro bro calls him up and says, "Hey, dude, we're 17. It's Halloween. Let's go TP some houses or egg smash some pumpkins or whatever dumb shit 17 year old boys get up to in the suburbs um, on Halloween." Um, And his response is, "Nah, I think I'm gonna drive my 13 year old sister and her friends to a graveyard for a couple of hours and and just hang in the car while they go do stuff." Uh Yeah, like I just. None of it made sense on any level. The, the Mr. Spear saying yes to a ten thirty pickup at at at, the, at like eight o'clock when Marianne was like, "Oh, by the right. way,
1: oh by, right,
0: Chrissy's nope. having
1: a late night sleepover tonight. Can no, I go?" No, like, no,
0: no, no. Totes, being like, "Have fun." <laughs> Edie being like, "Yeah, leave the house at ten o'clock. Don't show back up until one." No, we have zero questions about this um <laughs> right like it's all good have have a
1: good time, Christy. You and your friends enjoy yourselves
0: um also, it's a relatively small town um old man hickory's grave as we they note in later books, you know, becomes sort of a thing he it's everybody around town knows that, so are we to believe that they're the only people who had the thought to go to old man Hickory's grave in this town on Halloween right. like that seems like. Charlie and his friends would probably be there already drinking. You know, I'm I'm <laughs> right. picturing the Vampire Diaries. They always used to have their keggers out in the graveyard woods area. Um, I can see like Charlie. Actually, we probably just answered the question. The kegger was probably over there. Charlie was just like, "Sure, I'll drive you." And then whatever right. the party came <laughs> yep. back and picked him up. Like, "Okay, we good to go?" Sure. And then mom thinks mm-hmm. I'm great because I'm driving the girls around. So right.
1: Okay, so I'm not getting into mischief on Halloween.
0: Just wrote our own <laughs> fanfic headcanon for <laughs> for Charlie. I, I do, support it. I've been having this weird obsession recently. Well, I guess it's not recent. I always have. Um, of, like, seeing things through side characters' views or, like, d- getting different perspectives. Um, basically, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are Dead blew my mind when I was in high school. Um, I was
1: literally telling Jeff this morning while we were walking Indiana that I want to read alternate version Harry Potter from Malfoy's perspective.
0: Oh my god, that's so funny. But I've been doing it for like I want every different side character. I'm like we were just talking about how the babysitters are the ones who did the club and or click and think they're better than other people. Mm-hmm. I'd love to reread this book from Cokie's point of view.
1: Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Like would this love is that. the
0: making of a super villain. Um like <laughs> foiled and then I'm coming back stronger and worse than ever and more psychotic than ever, clearly. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just like, I'm coming back. Don't you worry. It's happening. So I would love to. I want to get a Charlie perspective series. I mean, we get the Karen series. um, But I... Oh, my gosh. How much funny... How much funny? How funny would it be to have a teenage boy series written from um, Charlie's perspective? Of, like, because he's the one who drives them around and it ends mm-hmm. up dragged into their schemes. Like, he's got his own life happening. I'm envisioning a love triangle at school, drama about his dad. <laughs> um, Watson seems great, but they're trying to build a relationship. Ooh, yep. I really want to read this series now.
1: Someone out there that wants to write it, we would love <laughs> to read it. <laughs> please share. <laughs> if it already exists and you know about it, please share it as well. Yep. For all we know, there is like, fanfiction babysitters club that's already that's you know yeah. what
0: i have never i, I do read fanfiction still um mm-hmm. on occasion i have never looked for babysitters fanfiction so i'm gonna have to do that i'm certain it exists i feel oh yeah 100 yeah, positive to. that it exists um okay uh, any other big ideas to talk about before we move on to our random thoughts
1: um i don't think so i think we sort of touched on the big things
0: well, before we get into ran- complete random thoughts, we already talked about the timeline wonkiness. How about a fashion update? Anything to report? There, we're, there are some some things in this There,
1: one. There's some some things. So I will get into Marianne and Logan's costumes in a second. Um, Claudia's outfit in her description and Marianne's description of Claudia is a lot mm-hmm. and bonkers. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. just go for it. Okay, it's too good it, not to share. It, it's it's something. <laughs> okay, nobody but nobody dresses like Claudia. At least nobody in our grade. We used to have a friend, another member of the Babysitters Club, named Stacy McGill, who dressed kind of like Claudia. But Stacy moved back to New York, where she used to live. And anyway, trust me, Claudia is unique. The best way to get this point across is to describe to you what Claudia was wearing at lunch that day. It was her vegetable blouse, an oversized white shirt with a, with a green vegetable print all over it, cabbages and squashes and turnips and stuff. Under the blouse was a very short de- jean skirt, white stockings, green anklets over the stockings, and lavender sneakers, the kind boys usually wear, with a lot of rubber and big laces and the name of the manufacturer and huge letters on the sides. Wait, I'm not done. Claudia had pulled her hair on one side of her head back with a yellow clip that looked like a poodle. The hair on the other side of her head was hanging in her face. Attached to the one ear you could see
0: was a plastic earring about the size of a jar lid. Awesome. What? She, what? She she ends that with awesome. That is not the word I would choose, Marianne. What? Like pieces of that. hundred
1: percent on board with. Yes. Actually, basically all of the pieces of her outfit. Yes. Maybe not the poodle clip, but everything else, (laughs) yes. But just, like, it's like she just stuck her arms into her closet and, like, whatever she touched, she put on, regardless of color, pattern. It's just a lot. And it's not Claudia's best look. I mean, we talk about Claudia's fashion a lot because that's the fashion that gets described the most. And it's usually the best, the most interesting, at least, of the girls. This is interesting in a very bad way and I am it's not my fave <laughs> I'll no. just say that um, then also just quickly to touch on Marianne and Logan's costumes um, they dress like cats Yes. Yeah. so Marianne I would taken a black leotard and a pair of black tights and painted some gray tiger stripes on them like tigers. I was wearing gray-striped black gloves on my hands and plain black ballet slippers on my feet. I have to admit that Logan and I cheated a little on one part of our costumes. We'd rented fur headdresses from a costume place in town. We planned to make up our faces ourselves. Logan. Logan had refused to wear tights and a leotard like me. I couldn't blame him. So he had bought a few yards of this cheap furry fabric at a sewing store. He had also refused to go into a sewing store by himself. I had to go with him. And he and his mother had made a fur suit for him. He was wearing a fur top, fur pants, and even fur-covered shoes. His hands and face were painted in tiger stripes like mine. And then, of course, he had put on the fur headpiece.
0: The best part about <laughs> the ridiculousness of everything that you just said is that it is an explicit reference to the musical Cats, which, yes. how, as of right now, is the most relevant and topical reference we have yet to encounter in these books. <laughs> That's just because Cats has been...
1: Cats is timeless, basically. <laughs> it was on Broadway forever.
0: But, I mean, Cats is having a moment. I mean, it, yes, Cats would have been relevant to us you know, any time within the last however many years, but... Um, with the release of the movie musical that is, oh boy, my eyes will never recover. Um, yeah,
1: I think my my feelings on Cats generally is I'm um, not a fan, but as my haiku review of the trailer said, I can't remember exactly how it broke down, but it was basically like the only thing good about this is that the cats can't come into the audience like when you see the stage production. Yes,
0: accurate. <laughs> um, but... That's exactly what happened in the case of Marianne and Logan. They are the cats in the audience, but like low rent cats. They're like titus yeah, like level. Kimmy Schmidt. Kimmy Schmidt <laughs> cats. Yeah. Um Oh, Greg Kinnear. And cats. Yes. Yes. Oh my god. Um oh boy.
1: Um okay, any any one off comments? Yeah, I did have to I had a couple on.
0: of little things that I I pointed out. Um I do like so I, I noted a while back that Dawn um seems to have less character traits than the other Mm -hmm. girls when they list them they are now just leaning into that dawn is well she's dawn (laughs) i'm like okay that's that's we're just going with we can't think of anything else so blonde she's she's
1: just generally an
0: individual individual yep she um, isn't
1: snobby she's just very sure of herself that's like the whole entirety of her description in this book which is insane because marianne is one of her she's one of marianne's best friends and that's like exactly the best that marianne can come up with is like is well Dawn's she's on yep she's just on um, that's what it means
0: and then she does something similar with logan she's like well it's hard to describe him because i like him so much you know what i mean and i was like
1: mm. um, i mean because really, yeah. i've never met him yeah <laughs> that doesn't really help me
0: it reminded me so much of the Emma line, the, um, if I loved you less, I could talk about it more, but, um, it didn't have the quite same, quite the same eloquence as Jane Austen. Um, but I got, at least that I got they were what they were going for. Um, the Dawn thing was just, just made me laugh. Um, you know, we haven't really talked at all about chain letters. Was that a thing for you at all growing up? Um, yeah,
1: I mean, it, it popped up here and there, but I never sent any because I didn't believe in them. And I'm still here and my life is fine. So I'm not concerned about it.
0: It, There was a huge craze for a while um, where uh, it was probably like third or fourth grade where chain letters were a thing and everybody was sending them to each other. Um, But we were never doing the, we didn't do the like get bad luck chain letters, it was always, we did like the postcard one where you got like 10 postcards back that never worked the way that it was supposed to, um, like those types of chain letters. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's funny again, being on the same wavelength, um, I was at a email security meeting today, riveting. Um, and they were talking about, we were discussing, you know, things need, people need to be aware of. And one of them is all the people giving all all their personal information on um, social media with, you know, like, what's your favorite color? What was your first Mm -hmm. car? What, you know, filling out those surveys. And our our IT director was like, oh, my God, I just want to comment in every single one of these. Like, thanks for your password. Um, Right. But uh, he goes, they're the modern day equivalent of a chain letter. And Mm -hmm. I was like, holy, that is so weird. But I realized he's exactly right. That's that's. We don't have, you know, it comes in the mail anymore. We don't even have the email version so much anymore. It's yeah. now um, tag me in this challenge and post right whatever. Um, so it's so funny that that is a concept that has endured so long because no one I talk to actually likes it or ever has. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, I just thought that was odd. Um, do you have any other random thoughts? Oh, I've got
1: a few. Um, first of all, I'm shocked at Marianne's pop culture. Uh, mm-hmm. She reads Stephen King. She's seen *Night of the Living Dead* and *Halloween* and *Halloween* 2, which is right shocking, unexpected to say the least. I it, yeah, it, it makes no sense based on the fact that I was very much like her and I
0: do not read or enjoy any of those types of things. It was very out of character to me. Like I mm-hmm. was, I, I bought that for Dawn. Dawn likes to get herself scared, but I, I don't know. Miriam just seemed too. it'd be different if she was more practical because she's practical in some ways but she's also as she likes to point out repeatedly very sensitive and you -hmm. would think a sensitive person would tune into all the horror and be like and instead of being like whatever it's fun yep um also
1: jesse's cursive in the books which i know you don't have in the electronic books is ridiculous it's like there's a huge flourish on the beginning and end of every single word. So it, her her chat, her little like entry, basically it looks like twice as long as it actually is because there's so much like dead space.
0: Oh my God. That's so annoying. I hate typefaces that are ridiculous like that. Well, the implication
1: is that she writes like that, which is even yeah. more ridiculous. It's <laughs> Like what a waste of time and energy.
0: That's a good point.
1: Yep. Um, what else? Oh, Dawn babysits for jackie radowski in this book and he decides that he wants to make his halloween costume which will be a robot made out of cardboard boxes and googly eyes and other random stuff Don elects to use elmer's glue to glue everything together including what? the boxes together and i was like Rookie. you got some major craft judgment going on in my house like dude i that knew is that ridiculous it's like i feel like you would need like e6000 to hold a costume together if you're not using like staples or screws or like some kind of like sewing-ish mechanism even though it's cardboard like glue is not going to hold that on oh it just i was like i was on. going with i thought it, you were smarter than
0: this <laughs> i said at least whip out the Mod podge i mean at the very least elmer's glue yeah except that's basically elmer's glue okay well good to know see this is why i don't craft um i leave it <laughs> leave it to the semi-professionals um, I thought it was interesting that they referenced Georgie the ghost and not Casper the ghost. Um, yeah, I was like, is Georgie a thing that I've never heard of?
1: I did. Did you va- research that?
0: I did. So I, I had vaguely remembered it. I remember it being a thing. It is a thing. Um, it is actually post Casper. Casper already oh. had existed. It's from the forties. It was a series of children's books. Casper though was in like, he was a cartoon. He was a, um, the funnies okay um so they were it was slightly different um and then casper Casper became friendly
1: yeah yeah casper is friendly and georgie is shy so there's at least that like
0: dichotomy um so yes he did exist but i just thought that was interesting i was like hmm we thought georgie was going to be the thing to stick around it and not casper that was a right or i wonder if there was some ip related whatever oh that's a very good possibility as well um, that was pretty much it. Although I did, I laughed really hard. There was one line, um, when they're babysitting at the Pike house and the bird gets in the house and they, f- first of all, I was like, what is happening? This is my nightmare, my literal nightmare. Um, and the, and then at the end when Claire goes, I wonder if the bird knows Santa Claus. Yeah. Like, I love that. I, that made me laugh so hard i was like claire you are my official favorite forever and ever i i want it just yeah i needed that that was the best laugh Mm -hmm. i've had in a couple of days
1: yep i second that wholeheartedly um anything else before predictions
0: no i think i think we really need to end on that note
1: does do you think a bird
0: knows santa claus
1: santa since they both come down the chimney (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Stacy's mistake. Book 18 in our series.
0: I'm going to own up. I have no idea what mistake Stacy makes. I cannot wait. I'm guessing it's something babysitting related. Um but I have no clue. Do you have any re- recollection? My I,
1: so I have like vague sort of like hints of a recollection of this one. Here's what my prediction is going to be. Stacy invites Claudia to New York to see where she lives, to see the city, to meet Lane, everything. I think that despite Claudia being cool and hip in Stony Brook, <sighs> Lane and the girls in New York do not find her cool and hip at all. And Stacy's mistake is that she sides with Lane and her friends and Claudia ends up spending the weekend like feeling like shit. Oh my and God, by the end, I obviously, everyone's right. going to be friends. I think that's I think that's the mistake is, like, she treats Claudia poorly. Or it might be sort of a dual thing. It's like initially she thinks her mistake is even inviting Claudia to New York. Mm-hmm. And eventually yep. she
0: realizes that the real mistake is that she treated her best friend poorly. I, I think you're exactly right. I do vaguely remember I, – I definitely remember Claudia going to New York. I, for some reason, was thinking that was later. I thought we had one or two Stacy books where – it was like establishing New York, um, but maybe that was the Dawn, California ones that I'm thinking of. Oh, um, maybe. But I just, I, I'm remembering that we, there were books like where the babysitters were definite, like, where like the Stacey 2 is in these books where she's mentioned, um, mm-hmm. but like in passing. And I, I thought for some reason that the her first one was... Um, Because we knew Lane, but, like, introducing the rest of the people that are going to be fixtures in her books. That was my only big prediction, was that the babysitters weren't going to be there at all. So, well, we will see who is correct. Yeah, But I think –
1: Lane is definitely there. We can agree on that.
0: (laughs) Judging on history, I'm going to go with you're probably correct. But –
1: I mean, that – I again, I could be remembering some other books. So, that's just – I feel like it's now, but I could be wrong. This could be another Eddie mystery at Dawn's house situation.
0: <laughs> True. Um, I, I am getting slightly better, though. I was telling you that I, as I read. Um, Jesse's secret language, it was coming back to me as I was reading it. This one, mm-hmm. I was getting like one step ahead. Like I would read something and I remember what was going to come next. I'd be like, Oh, right. that's right. This is what <laughs> like, happened.
1: I know where this is going. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. So
0: I feel like I'm getting, <laughs> it's like getting, um, uh, coming back to me sooner and sooner. So one day I might even be able to make a prediction. That's, you know, not just me talking out of my ass. <laughs>
1: Well, eventually we'll get. I'll get there too because I. There is going to be a point when I have not read any more books. So,
0: fair point. Um, so I guess the last thing to do is let you all know where to find us. Come talk to us. Um, we've been having some pretty pretty cool conversations in our Instagram comments. Mm-hmm. Um, we love hearing different perspectives and and sharing with you guys. So, be sure to step yeah, by. No I... oh, sorry.
1: Oh, I was just gonna say. We had a, well, I had a conversation with one of our followers yesterday about our um, Jesse's Secret Language episode. So if you are listening, you know, delayed, if you want to go back and talk about something, feel free to post on anything, DM us. Like we get all the notifications. So you your
0: comments, discussions will not be missed. We will find them and we will chat with you because we love it. Absolutely. We get very excited and we'll, we discuss amongst ourselves. We're big nerds. If, which you, <laughs> if you're listening this far, you know that by now. So exactly. um, be sure to stop by our Twitter and Instagram. You can find us there at Generation BSC. Um I also, we haven't asked in a while or haven't reminded in a while, but uh, rate and review us. That really does help in iTunes, get us some additional visibility. Um, and with the TV show coming out, um, we are really excited about hopefully bringing on some new people to our generation. And last but not least, don't forget, you can always send us an email at generationbsc at gmail.com. Okay. And with that, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter.
1: And this episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned.
0: Say hello to